Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you just hold your hands up this morning to the Lord? And we're going to give a shout to the Lord. Song challenges us because we've got a lion inside of us. How many know lions don't purr, they roar? Amen. And so we got a lion inside of us. And I just want you to give a, a royal shout to the Lord right now. Thank you, mighty God. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Woo. Yes, mighty God. Amen. Hallelujah. Whew. Mighty God. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you. I, Father, we just trust you hear our heart this morning. That we do love you. And some of us, we're, we're working out that love. We're trying to figure out what that looks like. How do I express that? How do I give that? Others, Lord, are... I've just done everything they can to dive in head first. Some are wading in. But God, you know our heart. And Father, you, you know that, Lord, we're glad to be here today to give praise and glory to your name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Put your hands together for the worship team this morning. Awesome. <clears throat> Praise God. Praise God. Katrina, you want to grab that mic for a quick second? Come on, girl. You can do it. Don't get too comfortable. <laughs> um, I just wanted to, I think there's somebody in the church who really needs to hear what the Lord has to say. Um, the song that we sang in the beginning that says, I trust in God. And um, a little bit of a journey for Mark and I, um, after we had Spencer and Kate, we were really hoping to have our third child to get pregnant and tried and tried and it just didn't work out. And so we submitted that to the Lord and uh, said, okay, we're supposed to be a family of four. And Mark really held on to that, that he wanted another one. And I did too, but I was like, it doesn't seem to be working and we're just going to let God do what he's going to do. In that same time period, we were asked to go to Africa. And so um, we, we were like, absolutely, Lord. The door opened. That was a dream come true for me. And we went and we were there maybe a month and found out that I was pregnant with number three, which was really exciting. So Lucy, you've all seen Lucy. Um, but... <clears throat> The conditions with which I found myself pregnant were actually quite terrifying because we lived in a remote village in Africa, seven hours away from what we would call first world healthcare. And we were told under no circumstances to go to the local doctor because that would be um, an unsafe situation to go to the hospital. And I had placenta previa, which is not going to get into the details, but for those who know, it's a bit of a, a higher risk pregnancy. And so we found ourselves in this remote place in Africa that God had taken me, which in and of itself is a different story, but a 20-year journey of trusting him. And then we found ourselves pregnant in Africa going, now what, Lord? 
I'm a bit of a high-risk pregnancy, and here we are in this remote place. And Mark was kind of anxious about it. And he, the Lord, it's kind of his story, and he'll, he can tell it. But at one point, God literally stopped him in the hallway in the middle of the night because he was anxious. And the Lord said, haven't I brought you here? Am I not going to take care of her? You need to trust me. And so at that moment, Mark was like completely content and settled that God had purposes and plans for his timing. And then for me, my journey in that was, okay, Lord, we tried for a year and a half, two years to get pregnant, and it hadn't worked. And now here I am in these really unsafe situation, and you've given me this blessing. And it was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but also 7 and 8 that said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So for me, I was leaning on my own understanding. This doesn't make sense. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Everyone, every single way. And he will direct your path. But seven and eight for me was profound. Be not wise in your own eyes. By the world's standards, being a a white woman in a small African village seven hours away from healthcare was probably not the wisest place to be, but I had to trust that God had his timing was perfect, that Lucy was not an accident, that she was destined and designed and purposed for such a time as this. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So if you find yourself in a situation right now where you're saying, God, I need to trust you, but I am scared. What, and it, it, for every one of us, it could be something different. I just think the Lord wants you to remember Proverbs 3, 5, 6, 7, and 8. That he is the giver of all things and the, the timing of him is perfect. So you might be interceding and begging and pleading with God for an answer and it hasn't come through yet and you're starting to worry. You're starting to to get tired of asking for this. I encourage you, now is the time to press in even more because he has a, a plan and a purpose for each one of you and there is deliverance in that waiting. So don't be discouraged by the wait. Hold tight. Wow. Wow. Amen. Amen. Somebody took their trust in a little bit of a different direction this morning. You left your CIBC Visa debit card at the machine. Uh, it's okay. I only swept a couple grand on it, uh, but it's, it's, it's all right. Uh, but you left that there. Is that yours? Yeah. All right. You can come and get it afterwards. But uh, <laughs> it's up here at the front. Uh, praise the Lord. Trust comes in many different ways, doesn't it? Amen. Wow, thanks for that, Katrina. Uh, well, I'm going to get right into it this morning. We're looking at uh, living as sons and daughters of the King. Living as sons and daughters of the King. And I've spent the last few weeks kind of just reminding us of our nature, that we are indeed sons and daughters, establishing so concretely from Scripture that, that we're not God didn't call us, right, to be royal citizens, right? He called us to be royal family. Amen? 
And a lot of times we live as royal subjects, royal citizens, rather than royal family, not recognizing that it goes way beyond just, uh, you know, living as somebody who's in, but not in all the way, you know, if you know what I mean. And it's interesting, after the crucifixion, all of the references to, to the church family in Scripture are family references. Yeah, there's, we're, we're all collectively called the army and we're called the bride of Christ. But when, when there's language being used, when, when God is referring to us or the Scripture is referring to us, it's, it's all terms of, of family, that we're sons, we're daughters. Uh, you know, I realize that we're also God's friend, but we're more than friends. Someone say amen. amen. We're family. And so this is important. So we need to live that way. We need to live as sons and daughters of the king. And so this morning, I want to start talking about what it is to live like one. How does that make us different as a Christian? We have that revelation running in us, always running in the background of our mind and of our spirit. How does that manifest itself in our daily routines and in our daily life? Because, you know, what do I do when I get up in the morning? As my dad used to say, well, I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like anybody else. Uh, that's true. There are certain things about us that we go through the daily routines, the daily motions of leaving the house, going to a job, you know, making a paycheck or whatever, coming home, all that kind of stuff. But it's how we walk in that journey of life, the disposition that we possess as we go through that daily routine that makes all the difference in the world. And so I want to talk to you this morning about that. And and I'm going to start by saying this, that on any given Sunday, there are three kinds of people that are in a church service. So when you come here on a Sunday, I realize that there's, there's tall and short and there's, you know, uh, blonde and red hair and brunette and black hair and there's, you know, uh, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. They're all in the house of the Lord. I get there's all kinds of ways you could categorize us and, and you could, you know, make distinctions about us. But essentially, though, there are three types of people that come to church on a Sunday morning. There are those, first of all, that I would call orphans. They come to church as an observer. They come to church sitting as one who is in, remember when we had the three chairs up on the platform? Remember? They're in chair three, right? Like most of the world, they're in chair three. They haven't made any kind of a decision to follow the Lord at this point. They don't know him. They may have been brought to church by a friend or brought to church by a parent or brought to church by, you know, of their, uh, some relative might be here because they're curious. They might be here because they want to know why does my friend or my spouse or my, you know, neighbor get so excited about church? What's all the hoopla about? They might be coming here saying, God, I need some help. And uh, maybe you can help me, right? When you say something like, maybe you can help me, it exposes the fact that you don't recognize your family already. Because you don't say, you know, dad, maybe you can help me. You say, dad, can you help me? right? You don't put a maybe in there. You just come and say, dad, here's my need. I, I, you know, help, right? So many people come to church and they're here on a Sunday morning uh, as an orphan. And you know what? This is so common. Entire ministries have sprung up around this model, right? Anybody ever hear <clears throat> of uh, the purpose-driven church? Anybody ever hear of uh, what's the church in Chicago? It's escaping me right now. Uh, Anyway, huge church in Chicago as well. They built the whole thing around 
your service, your church service was a public performance put on for seekers. And, uh, and so the whole idea was that you couldn't come to church as a church member to the Sunday service unless you were bringing a friend who didn't know the Lord. So if you were, a, the believer service was on Wednesday night and they'd have that service on Wednesday night where you'd hear preaching like this, speaking to the choir, so to speak. And, but on Sunday, Sunday was bring a friend to church day and every service was targeted specifically at those who didn't know the Lord. And so entire church models have sprung up around that. And so there's, if you're here this morning and you're just, you're curious, you said, I don't know what goes on at church. Somebody invited me here and I said, sure, uh, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. I mean, it's great to have people who are observers, people who are here, uh, wanting to know what's going on, not having maybe a full understanding of it. And God loves the seeker. God loves the person who comes to him desiring to know him. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. God says, if you're seeking me and you're, you're hungry for me, I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you. Jeremiah 29.13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. So you see, God welcomes those that would want to know if God is real and you say, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go and see the one place I, I hear he is. I'm going, to, I'm going to, I hear he's at church, so I'm going to go to church. All right? Everybody follow me? So you got people that are in that category at church. The second category I call royal, the royal subjects I've been talking about, consumers. They're the ones that when you did the three chairs, they're in chair two, if you guys remember that. And if you don't remember that and you weren't here, don't worry about it but I'm just trying to connect it for people that were here. That's the chair two people. Now, unfortunately, and you'll understand in a minute why I say unfortunately, most people in the church fall into this category. They're consumers. They are living like royal subjects. People who are here to receive something from the king. The focus is all on receiving from the king as a subject, getting the benefits of living uh, in the kingdom of God. They've made a confession of faith. They know that they're part of the church. They know they're part of the army of God. They know they're a citizen of heaven. They're here to grow in their faith, and that's all good. Everybody turn to the person beside you and say, that's good. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, Paul, the apostle's life was marked by being a rabid consumer of the understanding and the knowledge of God. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 to 11, he said, Yet indeed, I, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is, God, is from God by faith, that I may know him, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So here's Paul just, you know, giving one of the most famous passages of Scripture where he's talking about the, this desire in his heart to just know God, to really get to know God. So Paul was a consumer of the Lord, and we should all be consumers our whole lives. We should all be consumers our whole lives. We should never stop coming to the Lord, 
And the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We should never stop coming and tasting and receiving from the Lord as a consumer. The Bible says we're all after, uh, you know, students, we're all disciples, right? And the word disciple simply means a student. So what does a student do? A student sits and learns. A student takes in. A student gains knowledge and understanding and wisdom. That's what a student does. So in the kingdom, there are people who are loyal subjects, and they are there. They desire to please the king. They love the king. They're faithful to the king. They love to learn more about the king and his country and his people. They also benefit from being royal subjects in his kingdom. They're under his royal protection, right? How many times do people pray and thank God for his protection? They're, they know that they're subject to his laws, but they benefit from his justice. So they say, God, you know, will vindicate me. God is the one who will look after me. They're recipients of his benevolence. They receive rights as being citizens of his kingdom. They may even steward some land for God and take a tithe and pay taxes to the Lord. Some of you say, well, you know, never heard anybody put it like that before. But I think that's how a lot of people live their Christianity, right? Well, God, you've been really good to me, so here's something for you. And unfortunately, this is where most Christians just stop. They get into the kingdom. They become a citizen. They, they know they're loved by God. They know that, that they are now in. They're not on the outside looking anymore. They know they're in. But that they don't allow the revelation of who they are to go quite deep enough. And so they live their Christianity as a royal subject rather than royal family. And that brings me to the third kind of person that we have been talking about here in the church. And that is sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters are not orphans. They're not observers. They're not, they're not royal subjects consuming, consuming, consuming. No. Sons and daughters are investors. Think about it in terms of a business. Think about it in terms of a business. An employee shows up to work, swipes a card maybe, or just shows up on the line, does their thing, keeps looking at the watch. And when 5 o'clock or 4.30 or whenever quitting time comes along, punched out, out the door, and forget about it. Right? Everybody follow me? Been there, done my thing, now I'm going home. But when you are are an owner of the company. It doesn't work that way. Now, you may be able to not show up at all today because you've got something else more important to do, like golfing. <laughs> but because the company's yours, because it's got your name on it, then, then you're the one who thinks about it after you go home. You're the one that's planning the next week, the next season, the next uh, whatever that that company's got to go through because it's your company. And this isn't just his kingdom, it's your kingdom. Do you hear me this morning? Some of you go, well, that sounds blasphemous. No, that's living as a son or daughter of the king. It's not just his kingdom, it's my kingdom. And if you want to know why do we live good lives, why do we live holy lives, why do we try to live a sinless life, 
even though none of us is going to perfect that in this life. But why do we endeavor to do that? We do it because my name is on this thing as well. My reputation is attached to his reputation, and I know that when I, when I falter, that I'm bringing reproach upon the overall family of God, not just upon uh, a local church or upon you know, my, my own family, but upon the big family, the whole family of which I'm a part of, and my name is there with his name. Do you hear me this morning? That's what it's like to live out of chair one as a son or a daughter and as an investor, not just a consumer. Now, I'm still a consumer. I'm an information junkie. I'll always be a consumer. I'll always be reading. I'll always be, you know, you know seeking to understand deeper things from the scripture. But the reality is I'm a consumer coming at it as a son. I'm coming out as a family member, not just an attendee anymore. When I go to the Word of God, I don't go to the Word of God like, and treat it like a textbook. I treat it like it's the operations manual and letters, if you will, of the family recipes and all of this stuff that we've archived over thousands of years of history. And this is my book for my family. This is our, our tribute, tribute to existence. This is what we're here for. And so I read the Bible and I, and I take stuff from the Bible and, and when I do, I, I, I read it as, as um, what's his name uh, in, uh, in Texas, Joel Osteen says, every service holds up his Bible, he says, this is my Bible, right? He said, right? He says, this is my Bible, right? And then he says, I believe uh, what it says that I am and I believe that it's what it says I can have, I can have. Because of why? I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the king. Right? Every Sunday he holds it up and he makes the same declaration. And that's how he lives. He lives from this position of knowing not only whose he is, but who he is. He knows he belongs to the king, but he also knows he's a family member in the royal family. Praise the Lord. When you're a son or a daughter, it changes everything about how you live. You're committed. You're compelled by who you are and your family connections. You're sowing, you're imparting, you're giving, you're investing. That's the kind of person you are. The great need of the church of Jesus Christ today is for more investors instead of more subjects. We want to just we want to do more than just go around preaching the gospel and getting decisions. We don't want just decisions. We want disciples, people that become family members in his kingdom. <clears throat> I get a little frustrated sometimes when people think, well, how many, how many decisions were made for Jesus today? And they get the cards filled out. But the card doesn't mean anything if the person doesn't go on and get a hold of who they are and live the exciting adventure that Jesus Christ has for them. Right? The Bible even says... You know, there's going to be some that are going to make it into heaven as ones just escaping the flames, right? They're going to, in other words, they'll get in by the skin of their chinny-chin-chin, right? They're, they're going to slide in, but I don't want to slide in. When I show up in glory, I don't want them to say, hey, Kevin's here. Woo, let's go. Time to get down. Praise the Lord. That Think About It song, uh, was that... That had to have been 
Andre Crouch, wasn't it? Where's Jeff? Was that Andre? Because <laughs> I was like, wow, that, that's, that sounded like Brother Andre right there. But, uh, do you know, a lot of times we don't realize that, that we're to come into his kingdom and we're to be, uh, you know, celebrating that we are a family member in the kingdom of God. We're sons and daughters of the king. We have family members. Because we're family members, then everything that we have need of is at our disposal, right? How many remember the story of the prodigal son, right? It's interesting when you read that story, you have, it's not just about really the one son. It's really the story about the father. It should be, it should be called the story of the father <clears throat> because it's more about him than it is about the two boys. Because what the, the story tells you is that son one comes to his father and says, Dad, I've had enough of this show. I want to go and I want my dough and I want to I do my thing, right? And so father goes, okay, here's, some, here's your inheritance. And he goes and he squanders it. The Bible says on riotous living. And then he finally one day when he's out, you know, hungering for the cobs, the eaten cobs that he's giving to the pigs and he realizes the pigs are eating better than he is, he goes, I can go back and I can at least offer myself as a servant and my dad will take me back. You see, in the back of his mind, he knew the nature of his father that he would at least take him back as a servant, even though he'd done everything he had done. But the Bible says the father was looking for him. I mean, he was searching the horizon every day, waiting for his boy to come back. And when he came back, servant, he wasn't going to have him as a servant. He's still a son. Despite what everything he had done, he was a son. And he threw the robe around his uh, back and he put the ring on his finger and he killed a fatted calf and he said, let's, let's have a party. My son is home. And we often read the story, go, oh, it's such a great story of prodigal son salvation. But you know, there was another son. Remember what happened at the end of the story? He got offended that dad had a party for his wayward son. And he said, dad, have I not done this and done this and done that and been faithful to you all these years and yet, you know, what about me? And the father's response to him is very interesting. He says, son, everything that I have is yours. If you wanted to have a party, you could have had a party anytime you wanted. He said, look, what are you whining about? Your brother's home, time to party. But he, he missed out on the fact he was living his life like most Christians. Not realizing that because he's part of the family, he could have a party anytime he wanted to. He could celebrate. He had access to everything. The, the father said, everything I have is yours. But because of his mindset, he was stuck. And he was getting upset because somebody who had been away came back, got celebrated. I've seen that happen. You have people that are away from the kingdom for a long time and they come back to the church and everybody fawns on them and loves on them, which is wonderful. And then somebody who's been there the whole time goes. You know what I'm talking about? Because you've done it. You've Why are they celebrating them? They should be celebrating me. You're right. Anytime you want to be celebrated, we'll celebrate with you. Hello? Get unstuck. Come on up. We're ready to celebrate you. Hallelujah. Because everything the Father has is yours. Just what happens is we get 
stuck in routines. We live so far below that when somebody comes in and takes advantage of the grace of God, it offends us. But that same grace is available to you and me and everybody else in here. The same love, the same celebration, the same ring, the same cloak, the same fatted calf. It's all there. You don't have to walk away from God for 10 years to get it. It's yours. Someone say amen. Oh, my word. See, when we live as a son or a daughter, we live from a place of being an investor. We come alongside the Father. He invites us. Think of it this way. It's as if the kingdom of God is this huge operation, this divine operation God has of literally taking the earth and bringing it underneath the power of his glory, and you've been empowered to do that with him. And so he invites you every day to come and consult with him around the table and that he puts out everything that you're going to need for the day right in front of you so that you can take everything that you need and then you get to go out and you get to extend his vision and his heart and his passion in the earth. Therefore, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. And as I mentioned last week, who, or two weeks ago, who thought it not robbery, didn't think it was wrong to be considered equal with God, but instead made himself of no reputation and came as a man. But then after Jesus came as a man and died on the cross, then he elevated us all week so that we could all walk with God as sons and daughters. Because he came down, we get to go up. Because he stepped low, I'm lifted high. Are you hearing that? And so I'm not, I'm not redeemed to live this sloven life the rest of my life where I, every time I, I need something, I have to go beg the Father for it. And so many times I, I listen to people's prayers and they're begging God for things. I don't beg. I don't come to God as a beggar because I'm not an orphan and I'm not a consumer anymore. I am a son or a daughter and I come to him and I just say, Dad. Oh, you know how much this is breaking my heart. I have this need. And he's sitting there. I realize in that moment, he's right there beside me, weeping with me over the situation, loving me in the situation, saying, I've got this with you. I know you don't see the manifestation or the answer right now, but trust me, as Katrina said, trust me, I've got this with you. And we're going to make it through. Why? Because we're family. We're going to make it through. That's the relationship we have available to us in God. And that's what he invites us to. That is what he's invited us to do. Praise the Lord. I got 10 minutes left. This leads me to the ultimate challenge that we have as pastors. Oh, let me get past all that there. This is the ultimate challenge we have as pastors right here. The challenge for us is to take consumers. This is, this is what pastoring is. is the evangelist may, may take them from orphans to, to being, you know, uh, consumers or Christians who have accepted Christ. But it's our job as a pastor, as a leader, to take them from living as a consumer and move them into the life of an investor. That's what, my, that's what the ultimate pathway of discipleship is, is to bring people into a revelation and understanding of who they are in Christ Jesus. 
And, and if you track with us over any kind of time, you're going to know that we've tapped on these themes a lot in the last number of years. We had a whole series on the chairs that we did up here. You know, we talked about our inheritance as sons and daughters. We've talked about a number of different things. Uh, you know, we had a whole series called I Am Who I Am Says That I Am. Do you guys remember that? Because our whole focus is trying to get us to a point where we stop living our lives merely as people who just come and say, God, what's in it for me? But instead, we understand what has already been done for me, and I can live my life to the benefit of others. I'm empowered to do that because his kingdom is my kingdom, and I get to live out that kingdom and extend it in this world. God doesn't want us to live our Christianity from a posture of what's in it for me. And I understand there's nothing wrong with having a need. There's nothing wrong with, with bringing our needs to God. But when we bring our needs to God, we do so as people who can see beyond the fact that God exists not just to meet my needs. God exists to extend his kingdom in and through me to others. That for me, my relationship with God is one in which God wants to pour out through me into the world around me and see the world redeemed and lifted up in his glory and in his presence. So let me conclude this morning. I have four pages of conclusion. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to condense it into just a few minutes. <laughs> so you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, you're right, Pastor. I'm definitely not here as an orphan. I've understood that I'm a son or daughter of the king. But I think you're also right. I've not realized exactly what that means. And I've been living basically as a consumer most of my Christian life. I've been, I've been coming to church and I've been looking at it as what's in it for me. What can I get this morning? What does God want to do for me today? And so I need to know, I need some help. Help me understand what it looks like when I'm living differently. Can I do that this morning? Can I give you a picture of what that looks like? Let's just take something like Sunday worship, something as simple and in, as, as just church on Sunday. What's the difference between somebody who comes as a consumer and somebody who comes as a, uh, an investor? Well, on Friday night, we were at the uh, UCB 20th anniversary gala. And it's interesting, they brought a scripture up that I have in my notes. And the scripture they put up on the screen is 145, verse 4 to 7. And, uh, and it says, one generation shall praise your works to another. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. And it's hard to believe UCB has been in town 20 years. But that exists. And in 20 years, they went from one radio station in Belleville to dozens across the country. I mean, they're, they're, they're literally taking the Canadian landscape over And it all came because there were some passionate people for Christian radio right here in the city of Belleville. And God put it together. Amen? How many, how many said good things don't come out of Belleville? Come on now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You break that off in Jesus' name. But you see, when you come to God as, as an investor, this is what it looks like. So uh, let's look at Sunday morning. So an investor, are you ready for this? Can I get really honest with you this morning? Yep. If, if I can't say yes and wave at me. All right, the rest of you are in, in for a struggle then. All right, here we go. 
investor, first of all, shows up on time. All right, calm down, everybody. <laughs> uh, they come up, they show up on time. Let me, let me explain to you why. There's a number of reasons why coming on time or coming early demonstrates that you're an investor, not a consumer. Because you, first of all, recognize I'm not coming for me, I'm coming for others. So if I'm teaching a Sunday school class, I come early because I want to be the very best that I can be for those children in that class. So I'm going to come early. I'm going to make sure everything's ready. If the class starts at 10, I don't show up at 2 minutes to 10. I show up at 20 minutes to, to 10. So that I'm here, and when those kids come in, I'm prayed up and I'm ready to go. But maybe you're not in the class. Maybe you're in the worship team. I know they're here like at 8 o'clock in the morning. Because what they do is very visual. So if you didn't prepare for Sunday school class, it's chances are the 4-year-old's not going to rat you out right? <laughs> but if the worship team doesn't come prepared, you're all going to know, right? You're going to say, oh boy, you guys were pitchy today. It was awful. It was, you know what I mean? You guys look like you were a bunch of scatterbrains up there because you weren't prepared. If I stood in the pulpit and wasn't prepared, you all know, right? Now, the Holy Spirit could step in and, and by his grace, take over because maybe I didn't prepare, but God's bigger than that, and he takes over for me. But, you know, when they talk about taking advantage of grace, what that means? You know, I don't want to take advantage of God's grace, right? I'm happy and I'm joyful that he's there for me when maybe I, I, I don't do my best, but I want to do my best. So I never step in the pulpit, if I can help it, to be, be prepared, be ready. But there's more reasons why you should come early. Do you know that I've come early, uh, and, and I meet some wonderful people when I come early? I met Martin and Gladys just a couple weeks ago, because I come early, and I'm, hey, how are you guys doing? I never met you before, and I get to chat with them, and they'll say, hey, how are you doing? I met Robert this morning. Hey, Robert, how are you doing? You know, came early. Some of you are going, who's Robert? Robert's right there, you know? Uh, that's Robert right there, you know? Last week, I met Gordon Marilyn right there. They were sitting, I think you guys were sitting in the same row or, or one behind or one back. I'm not sure, but I met them last week. How did I meet these people? Because I'm here early, and I'm not here early because all of a sudden, I need, I need something from somebody. I'm here early because I want to meet people. I, I actually want to get invested in people. I want to know who they are. Some of you come and say, I, know, I never met these people. Yes, because you're not here early. <laughs> Hello? Are you hearing me? I'm amazed at how uh, the service will start and there's you know, 35 people in here and then I get up to preach and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Wow, look at that. Sorry, why, hon, I won't go too much longer on that. <laughs> I just told my wife what I was speaking on. She goes, now don't go too negative. <laughs> I was like, don't worry, just leave it up to me. I got this. <clears throat> but I see, I come early and people come early because they have something to give. Now, if you're just here to receive, then you don't need to come early. Because the Holy Spirit, he's going he's to make it up no matter what. Well, you come in at the last minute, and by his grace, he's going to still. You could come when the altar call's coming on, and you could come right up to the front and receive just like anybody else. Because that's who our God is, right? 
So if you're coming as a consumer, that makes sense. But if you're coming as an investor, then you got to be there on time because you got to say, man, Lord, show me who you want me to minister to today. Are you hearing me? Wow, okay. That's about as clear as I can get it. All right. Investors not only show up on time, but they invest their time. There, there's, you know, when, when, I, when I need people to do stuff, unfortunately, you know what I usually do? Call people that are already busy. Because I know they're willing to give their time, right? And, and, and unfortunately, it works out that busy people end up doing more because pe- busy people have, have demonstrated that they have a disposition of their heart that they're living as a son. And so they recognize, I'm here as an investor. I got a text this morning. <laughs> Pastor Kevin, our stove blew up. It's on fire. Uh, so I can't cook today at home. So I apologize, but we're going to be here early. It's not someone breaking into the church. It's us cooking scones here at the church. And I said, you go, girl, commitment, woo! And so the lovely smell of scones was in the air this morning as you came in, especially covered in bacon, hallelujah. Oh, I just well got raptured right there. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, they invest their time. They're people that are willing to say, Lord, your, your agenda is more important than my agenda. And so what you want takes precedent over what I want, so I'm willing to invest my time. Investors give of their finances. Are we going to talk about money? You know, actually, I I think in my own personal defense, I don't really talk about money enough. See? Uh, You know, the reality is is that it's pretty hard. Everybody, Everybody here lives your life by money, I think, don't you? Anybody here living on a barter system? Anybody here just living on some kind of an exchange program where, you know, you, you live in the house and do the dishes, and for the dishes you get, a, you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Parents are pointing to their kids and say, yes, I know exactly what you mean. These ones do. <laughs> but generally speaking, you know, we live in a society that operates by money. So, yes, you can give your time, but, but the church doesn't just operate on your time. The church operates on finances. You know, we can't phone up the hydro company and say, listen, I've got a deal for you. Tell you what, we'll find 20 hydro poles this week that need a little weed whacking around the base of them, clean them up a little bit. You do that, forget about our hydro bill. How do you, how do you like that? They're going to say, no, we uh, accept cash, visa, or credit card. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they're, they're not going to take a barter exchange for that. And the reality is, is that we operate by money just like anybody else. And so the person who lives their, their faith as an investor says, Lord, it's not my money, it's your money. And if you want me to invest, I'm there to invest. Hello? Yeah. How many have kids down the hall in kids' church? Let me just see your hands. Well, this... Uh, <laughs> this this past few weeks, is, <clears throat> uh, we, had, we got kids' kids play thing got carpeted, and that cost about twice what we thought it was. And then I went to buy a legal railing this time. You guys remember the tree fort that was there with a completely illegal railing? Uh, and, you know, that's where the grace of God comes in. This time we've decided, let's, we should probably put a legal one up there. And so that railing w- ends up being just the railing and then down the stairs, $2,300. Yeah. So, if you have kids down there, it's time to invest. We could use your help. 
and uh, say, you know what? You're right, pastor. I'll help with that because uh, between the carpet and the, the, the stair rail and the railing on it, it's almost $5,000. So you're like, what? Uh, it's about twice what I thought it was going to be. So there's an example. There's always things that we're doing and that we're always trying to put the best ministry foot forward that we can put, but it takes money to be able to do that. And that's where we look at the kingdom. And if we're living as investors, we say, no problem, pastor, I can help with that. Are you hearing me? They understand that the kingdom, like I said, is not just his kingdom, but it's my kingdom. So I invest in it because it's my kingdom. I invest in the church. I'll come sometimes early. I'm cleaning up, picking up garbage. And, uh, you know, I'll come down with my weed whacker and weed whack the stone off in the front yard. I, I go to the bathroom and I wipe down all the taps and countertops afterwards. Why do I do that? Because it's not just... It's not just his church, it's also my church. And I want, I want to put the best foot forward that we can possibly put to other people. Not much I can do about the ceiling. It's ugly, I know. Don't look up. And yeah, the floor is ugly too. We want to fix that someday. Don't look down. Just look straight ahead at me, all right? Just look at me. That's good. You can look at me. You know what I'm saying? This is all together. This is good right here. Look here. But, you know, the reality is, is, that, is that when we come to God as investors, this is the way we think. We start thinking about what can I do? How can I invest my time and my finances to make the best of, of, of the kingdom of God in this community? And then investors give their talents. They, they recognize this is a family business, so my, my talents, my abilities belong in this business. They belong in this kingdom. And sometimes we're so quick to volunteer for just about everything, and that's good. We need to be outside, but you also, we also need to take care of business here as well. Because as this flourishes, we're able to encourage more people to be able to go out there again. And it becomes cyclical, right? Does everybody follow what I'm saying? And so when we, what we get down in here, what we get working well here, we can get working well out there. Does that make sense? And if we can't get it working well here, chances are we're going to not do it very well out there either. If we can come in on a Sunday and we live our faith out on a Sunday as a son and daughter, and we live as people passionately aware that I've been brought into a family and that the way I conduct myself is a family member of the royal family of God, that I am a son of the great king, that when we live that way and we operate that way here, it becomes contagious, and then everybody's able to take it out there. And so I live my life outside the walls, fully expecting the favor of God, just like I have it inside the walls. I do. I'm not surprised when things that we put forward are successful. I'm not surprised when UCB Radio celebrates 20 years and has stations all across the country. I'm not surprised when the New Life Women's Home has a beautiful facility out in the country, and now they're starting to take girls in again and being able to minister to them. I'm not surprised when Grace Inn is able to flourish, and we're able to get a second property. We're able to look at third properties, and we're able to extend uh, the hand of God reaching out to the homeless. I'm not surprised by any of these things because it's his kingdom, and I'm a part of that kingdom, and I walk out the four walls of this building anticipating God doing great things. I expect it because I'm his son. I expect it. I anticipate it. But I'm also part of it. Do you know one of the policies that I, that I have for our pastoral staff is that they can't just work inside the four walls of the church? 
I challenge them. You need to be out there. I've been serving with Grace Inn since before it opened. Been on the board since 2017. Making sure that we're out there getting stuff done. Pastor Mark and Katrina, they're involved with the school. They have feeding things going on at school. Mark falls not only on the radio station, but he's also coaching football in the city league and in the high school. All of us are, are out in our community because that's where we belong. That's where the orphans are, is in the community. But the objective is to help them transition from being orphans to being sons and daughters as well. And so we need to carry the mantle of sonship when we go outside the four walls of this church. Are you hearing me this morning? So, this is just one first step in what it looks to live as a son or daughter of the king. And we can start where it's relatively safe here on Sunday morning. And you can come in, you can practice it here. Right? You can come in on Sunday morning and practice it right here. Practice what it is to be a son or daughter. Worship like a son or a daughter. Give like a son or a daughter. Serve like a son or a daughter. And, and be invested in the house. And you'll empower people and gifts that will go outside of this house and will literally turn the city upside down. That's who God's called us to be. And then he's called us to do that here in the house, in the city, across the country, and around the world. I'm going to put a slide up on the screen. I want you to stand with me this morning. And I hope that's big enough that you can say this with me this morning. But if your desire is to live as a son or a daughter of the king, I want you to say this with me this morning. And I want you to just, just literally declare this to the Lord this morning. Say this with me this morning. I am a son or daughter of the king. I am called to work from my place as a member of the family of God. I confess that I love Desert Stream, this local part of your divine family where God has called me. Therefore, I no longer come to church as a consumer. I am come to church as an investor. Because I am an investor, I show up. I show up on time. I invest my time. I use my gifts and talents to help in the various ministries and departments of the church. I give my tithes and offerings there as God commands me in his word. I pray for my pastor and listen carefully as he preaches what he believes God has to say to us each week. When he looks for someone on whom he can depend, my pastor knows that I am the one he can turn to someone he can rely upon. I declare that our church is growing, is getting stronger and stronger, and that we are becoming a greater light to our city. I am daily looking for opportunities to invest in the future generations. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to put this up on our... our uh, uh, Facebook page, and you can make that a prayer and a declaration every day out of your heart. But church, we have got to stop living as orphans or as royal subjects. We got to live like the family we are. We've got to live like the family we are. Jeff sent a song out to me yesterday, and I said, are you doing it this Sunday? He said, no. And I said, well, you can't do it next Sunday because it won't be here. So you're going to have to do it on the 5th then when I get back. But it's a, a song by Brandon Lake, and it's called The Adoption Song. Go home and listen to it. 
And, uh, you know, but we have been adopted into a family, and the song makes it so poignant and clear that I am a son or a daughter of the king, and I worship God, I love God, I serve God from that place, not for that place, but from it. That is who I am. And as we all do that collectively together, literally, we turn the city upside down for Jesus. So I want you to lift your hands to the Lord this morning. Father, I thank you for this congregation this morning. I thank you, Father, that what we have to give is wonderful, it's powerful, it's liberating, but it's not complicated. It's a process that the Scripture talks about of adoption. I've been brought into a family, and that family is the family of God. And so as a son or a daughter of that family, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That, Father, I am able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I can ask or think or even imagine according to the power that works within me, the power of being a son or being a daughter. And, Father, I pray today that, Lord, I will recognize that no weapon formed against me can ever prosper because I'm a son, because I'm a daughter. Father, I'll understand that when the Scripture says that God is for me, who can be against me? It's because I'm part of his family, and nobody can come against the family of God. Father, there is no way that we can fail because we are part of the family of God. We can experience setbacks and attacks of all different kinds, and we can have all kinds of frustrating moments, but Father, we are always winning or learning. We're always winning or growing. We're always winning or developing deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father because we're sons and daughters of the King. And so, Father, today we ask for your help to be able to live that way. And in the weeks to come, as we understand fully how to live that way, God, that we would turn that uh, out to our world and we would literally see our world changed for the kingdom of God because it's your kingdom, it's our kingdom, and it needs to be their kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.